Hey guys, welcome to Mace Way. Come on in and grab a seat, grab a little coffee and some snacks if you haven't done that already. Want to get going? Um, wanted to remind you guys that next week, believe it or not, is Daylight Savings Time. Hard to imagine. So uh, be a little lighter in here. And uh, you'll be a little sleepier. So we'll make sure that we get some coffee going for next week. But just a reminder, we're continuing our series on the liturgy. Tonight we're going to be talking about prayers of the people. Y'all are the people. We're the people. And uh, so we're going to be talking about prayer. One of the things we wanted to describe, too, uh, is that our music is really oftentimes designed as prayer, or the lyrics are very much prayers. And our first song, our call to gather, is certainly that way. It's a song I wrote in my early 20s. is about uh, sort of abandonment, kind of saying to God, will you be there for me? Will you walk with me? Will you be a part of my life? Will you walk with me through good times and bad? So the chorus is easy to pick up if you haven't heard it. Um, we've done it a few times here. But uh, if you want to just listen, feel free to listen. We've also got a prayer station behind me where the doors are and the curtains. And you're welcome to pin prayers on those curtains or just spend some time back there on the cushions. Don't feel like at any point you, don't, you have to stay in your seat. You're welcome to get up. So we're trying to emphasize the different forms of prayer tonight. Again, this is called Will You. We're going to have some PhDs try to close the window over there. Times good or bad, 
Will you be there for me, happy or sad? Will you lay there in the places where I lie? Will you stay the places where I stay? Sunday night when I think we're a little decimated by spring break, well that's okay. Um, if you're new or visiting, we're glad you're here and uh, we want to let you know that Emmaus Way is a community of people uh, gathered around the gospel of Jesus Christ and seeking to discover together what God is doing here in Durham, redemptively and in the larger area, and to join with that. Um, there's a variety of ways that you can connect. Um, we have a bunch of small groups that meet throughout the week. And if you're not plugged into any of those, Elizabeth Eford is the person to talk to you about that. Her information is also on the back of your sheet. She'll be glad to help you there. Uh, we also have a pub group that meets Thursday nights at, uh, where's Dan? At Bull McCabe's. 
uh, which is here in Durham. It's a place to talk about philosophy, theology, uh, politics, and have fun doing so. So that's Thursday nights at Bull McCabe's, and you can talk to Dan about that. Um, we also have a variety of missional opportunities here at Mayus Way. Uh, you can get involved with our host, Reality Ministries, which does a bunch of good work. Uh, you can talk to Julie DeCanto about that. Um, if you want to talk about volunteering, which we have a lot of things that just keep the church going, uh, you can talk to Sarah Busman about uh, setup, and you can talk to Amanda Schaefer about helping with our kids. Um, some upcoming events. The only thing I think we have is, are Brett and Sarah here? They're not here. Vanessa, do you, could you talk about what Brett and Sarah were doing? Yeah, sorry. Um, so we came up with the idea of gathering um, for some kind of silent prayer a couple times a week, and so they graciously agreed to open their house. Um, and do that. It's Tuesdays at 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1 p.m. <coughs> you can just come. They have some books and Bibles and kind of drawing material and whatnot. Kind of whatever prayer is to you. So just be having in silence to do that during lunch. Great. And there, um, I think more information about that is in the weekly, which if you don't get, um, you can fill out a yellow card out in the uh, front area and you can receive that. The narthex, whatever it is, I don't know. Um, so anyway, welcome to May's Way. Thanks, Travis. Um, two, the walkathon was canceled due to the rain, and they're rescheduling that for May, sometime in May. Yeah, we'll let you know. But uh, if you did donate to that, thank you, and uh, the money is certainly not going to go to waste. Um, and also, as I mentioned, this um, prayer station behind me, we're going to do Stations of the Cross on Palm Sunday. And so we will put that up on the website, which stations uh, there are. Many of you probably don't know, but it's easy if you just want to search Stations of the Cross, 1991, in uh, Google or whatever, it'll, it'll pull up what uh, John Paul um, the second did in 1991, which was uh, make the Stations of the Cross more tied to Scripture. And so we're going to use those stations, which is it's basically just the journey of Christ to the cross, his last uh, um, few days. And so anyway, those stations, uh, the DeCanto group has already signed up for to, to start with one. I they're not sure which stations they're doing. But anyway, we'd love for you guys to talk about taking a station. Um, if you uh, want to, there's scripture that goes uh, with each of the stations, but we also would love for you to do anything from, I think the kids might be doing some live action or some kids that are dressed up as characters. And then um, we'll have, um, you know, other things uh, that would go from anywhere from food to uh, crafts to something for people to listen to or watch. So if you'd like to participate in that, we would love to have you do that. And you can just contact me or um, Amy about that. So anyway, as we continue uh, our music tonight, um, this song, Beacon, is another prayer. It's a different type of prayer. It's a prayer that I think reminds us of some of the truths of God's uh, victory and his, his light that is shining in, in dark places. And then we've got another song uh, that's a prayer as well by Amy Lou Harris where you'll, you'll hear in many of these prayers that the voices go between sort of commentary and prayer. And so just to uh, alert you to the fact that the, sometimes the speaker will change a bit, and I uh, don't want you to, th to be thrown by that because uh, these, I think, very much are prayers that we can pray. And so, again, this is a chorus that I think you'll pick up if you haven't heard it before. Um, but if you'd like to just uh, listen, if you'd like to get up and move around, if you'd like to move to the prayer space, don't feel like you're stuck where you are.
space for our words Is there a place here for us? Where can a faithful heart turn? When generous grace gathers dust So where can a faithful heart turn? Have we not labored enough? Little babies learn It's a blind world Generous grace gathers dust There's a beacon Shine ever bright Light at the end of the tunnel Is in your eyes You're the lamp to my feet You're the arms at my side And I will not be in darkest places
tonight We're circling low and inside tonight It's another round in the losing fight Out along the great divide We are aging soldiers in a nation war Seeking out some half-remembered shore Drink our fill till we thirst for more Asking if there's no heaven, what is this on the Half is worn and our feet are poorly shod We lift up our prayer against the odds Fear the silence is the voice of God, of God, of God So we cry Come and bring no sweet relief. Time is a brutal but a careless thief. Takes our light and leaves behind the green. It is the heart that kills us in the end. Just one more old broken bone that cannot mend. It was now, never shall be amen. Amen. So we cry, Alleluia. 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 We cry, Sailors lost out on the sea. We are always headed toward eternity, hoping for a glimpse of Galilee. Like falling stars from the universe, we are hurled 
Down through the long loneliness of the world Till we behold the pain become the pearl The pearl The pearl We cry Dale. Those are, uh, I think, probably three of our favorite kind of liturgical prayers that we do as song. Wait, I'm going to put you on the spot in the dialogue in a little bit because I'm going to ask you the question: uh, What are some of the, what are the some of the more meaningful prayers that we do in song, and and, and why they're meaningful to you? So that's coming your way. But it's good to see everybody here uh, in the midst of uh, spring break and uh, and and all of those. Uh, good rites of passage of the spring for us. Um, one of the things we've been trying to do, and this has been fun in our gatherings, is tell stories, hear stories from each other, as well as, as stay in conversation about our partnerships. And uh, Denise has mentioned uh, ABC, and we mentioned reality just a moment ago. One of the things that just came to mind, I was looking in my mail just before I jumped up and I couldn't find it, but there is a delegates gathering coming up pretty soon for Durham Can. Dave, do you know when that is? March 22nd. So we'll have better information about that, but we probably are wanting a, a delegation from Emmaus Way to be there. So uh, that is coming up. But tonight, um, Jim Thomas is going to update us on Africa Rising, which is a, is a unique and, and really special partnership. Some of us, Jenny, myself, and a few others, Denise, have been kind of a part of the, the long ride on that in terms of watching this dream developed by uh, Jim and, and uh, others. But um, Jim, you have some, some updates that are good for us to know. So let me, I'm going to give you the mic and let you sit here. You can stay with me. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got two things I want to tell you. A couple of weeks ago, maybe it was just a week ago, we were talking about land, if you'll recall that conversation that we had and the, the meaning of um, God's promise to give his people land. And I mentioned a, um, one of the groups within Africa Rising. We work with 14 different groups in East Africa, and, and we benefit them brought, not by raising money for them, but by connecting them with each other as they help each other. And I mentioned that one of them is a group of refugees. They're called internally displaced people who are, uh, have been living under uh, plastic, bamboo bent over and plastic over that for four years, 10,000 of them. And I got word just today that they are being moved. They're being moved to permanent land and permanent houses. 500 families have already been moved. And it's been something that many people have been praying about for a long, long time. And so there's just a lot of rejoicing about um, that happening. Is that in Uganda? 
That's in Kenya. Yeah, there was the presidential election and the riots in Kenya several years ago that some of you may remember that led to people's houses being burned and being chased from land and ending up refugees on soccer fields in the middle of the city. And um, so they were gathered up and put on this hillside in kind of a holding pattern. And many years later, they're finally getting back onto their own land. Um, what, something that I, that I want to uh, bring to you and ask for your prayer is that Africa Rising is going through a big transition. We are going through a transition in a number of ways. One of them is we're changing directors, and our, our director-to-be is sitting over here. Kushong is um, going to be taking over as director for Africa Rising in this area. But um, uh, perhaps even in more importantly, we are moving our home base from here to Africa. We are moving it to Kenya. That doesn't mean we won't be active here. We, we still will be. But we are taking on a board member, and with that, we are then eligible to register in Kenya, and with that, we are then eligible to seek grants for African organizations in Kenya. And beyond that, when we have our annual meeting this summer in July, one of the things I want to do with those gathered is to say, okay, we've gone some distance down the road. Now, if I were to disappear, what would you do with this? What would you want this organization to do? How would you use the energy that you have? What would you build? So it's, um, when I was a kid, I used to play on, on, on the bars a lot. I'm not so much in the bars these days, but um, I would play on the bars, and I would swing from one bar to the other, and, and there would be the moment when I was between the bars in the middle of the air. And I feel like that's the place where we are right now. We're about to let go of the bar that we know, and we're in the middle of the air with the air whistling through our ears, waiting to grab that next one. And we're just not sure when we're going to feel it. We're not sure what it's going to be. We're not sure how the Africans are going to take this up and, and run with it. So it's a little scary. It's also uh, quite a bit exciting because some really great things could come of this. And I think that for the organization to continue forward, this needs to happen. It needs to, to move into a new chapter. But I, I wanted um, prayer from my community for what we're going through and what God is leading us into. Thanks, Jim. And one of the things I was going to say, I forgot to say this about Africa Rising, that I hope you guys will get to know this more. Um, is uh, in fact Jim hosted um, along with um, Jenny uh, kind of a gathering three or four months ago, five months ago I guess that was a chance to hear more about Africa Rising but we hope that when we gather and worship there's many places for conversation that if you want to learn more about Africa Rising or reality or uh, ABC or Durham Can there's always usually somebody here that represents one of those partnerships always ask and find out there's, there's great things happening and this is a really I mean, one of the things about Africa Rising that I do want you to know this is significant for us because it's an opportunity for us that has such a strong focus on the local community to connect our local community to uh, a, a, another network of local communities just outside of our own continent. And that's, I think, really significant for us. But Africa Rising is also really unique in the way that it has developed in terms
terms of networking organizations without expecting them to fit under an umbrella. It's a really unique, really unique model. So, Jim, you can count on this community to, to pray for this uh, transition and to ask you more questions about what that means for you and Gail and Koo. Good to see you as well and, and what that design means for you. And as we're kind of this, this season of Lent, one of our primary areas of focus is, is prayer. And so this is a good solicitation to be praying for, for this whole organizational change. And also pray imaginatively. One of the things that we'd love for this community to do is to pray imaginatively toward our partnerships of what should we be doing? How should we be participating? What, what is our role in, in uh, walking along, uh, alongside that journey? So, Jim. Can I have P.S.? Uh, just thinking back on listening again on what I said, some of you could could leave here thinking that we are um, that Gail and I are walking away from Africa Rising and turning it over to our African counterparts, and that's not the case. One of the visions for this organization is a new model for interaction between Americans and Africans, and what we're doing is is really. Um, it's like we've stopped at a stoplight, and I'm getting out of my side of the car, which is a steering wheel, and I'm moving around to the passenger side, and some African counterpart is moving around to the steering wheel. And I'm still going to be in the car, but someone else is going to be behind the steering wheel. Thanks, Jimbo. Um, hey, as you're there, let me give an opportunity to stand up and greet each other, offer each other the peace of Christ. And in a couple of moments, I'll give us a shout, and we will uh, continue our conversation tonight. Just a quick question, curious about this. How many people in this community grew up in what you would call a liturgical tradition, where you kind of did the church calendar, you, you know, so Liz, I see Elizabeth over there. Not a lot. Yeah, that, that's kind of our <coughs> assumption. So this series that we cooked up uh, was, I think, came out of, wait, it probably came out of text group one Tuesday, is for Lent this year, we wanted to do a series on the liturgical calendar, but even more specifically on kind of the liturgical movements of worship within our worship gatherings. So, um, if, you know, if you kind of read the weekly every week, you get the sense that there's a little bit of a rhythm to our worship gatherings. There's typically a sense of gathering and preparation. There's usually confession and absolution. There's Eucharist every week. Some weeks there's prayers the people some weeks one aspect of kind of what you might call the worship gathering or the mass kind of trumps the others because we're focusing in on that but one of the things we're really aware of is that for Emmaus Way, we've been doing this kind of, for lack of a better term, kind of a, a folk mass for seven or eight years. And, and you know, life in Emmaus Way, uh, almost every spring we say farewell to 10, 12, 15 people who've graduated from a program or, uh, or moving or whatever because we're a fairly young congregation and have been for, uh, for eight years or so. And so uh, one of the things we're really aware of is that for a lot of you, uh, you you've probably caught on to this sense of seasons, and we've done things like Carol's painting and a lot of things that draw our attention to the, the liturgical seasons, and, and each week you kind of see something constructed around this kind of traditional formulation of worship, though a lot of times we do it differently in the sense that the confession might be a song rather than the spoken confession. Sometimes it's a spoken confession, but we kind of cook this up realizing that for a lot of you... Um, 
This is somewhat new, and it's not something that we do every year or year and a half. And as our community kind of rolls through the years, uh, we just wanted to think together, uh, pray together, talk together for several weeks. And we chose Lent this year as a time to do that, to talk about kind of the rhythms of worship in this community. And um, I thought Dan did a great job last week of kind of raising the idea of time and raising the idea of season and of, of kind of gathered community. And the sense that, and, and you get this, it's, it's, and to me it's a powerful, more than a symbol, it's an invitation that there's a different calendar going on, because I find myself very easily trapped into a Hallmark calendar, or now that I'm a student, the student calendar is absolutely huge. I mean, we we more likely around here to call this spring break than than to call it Lent, and and so there's these competing calendars that go on, and, and, and our being more and more aware of the liturgical calendar is helpful to us because it lets us kind of live into not only the life of Christ but the rhythm of God's work and so that's been kind of our goal behind this and for this week we wanted to converse tonight on the idea of the prayers of the people which is a fairly common uh, liturgical form that we do and in Emmaus way there's always different types of prayer um, whether there's opportunities to pray physically with your body or contemplatively or in song there's always opportunities. Uh, in fact, we really see uh, the bulk of our time together is a, a time of prayer together. So this is kind of the idea for tonight is to discuss that, uh, that whole thing. And let me give you a definition of prayer that's the one that I'm working with that might help you. I'm not imposing this as the only definition of prayer, but when people ask me about prayer, I have a really generous definition of prayer. This actually, this definition of prayer is the, in choosing this definition and, and through the great writings of people like Henry Nouwen and uh, Thomas More and, and tons and tons of other people, as I adopted this definition, I started to realize at one point that I was a praying person. I know that kind of sounds silly from somebody who might be deemed a professional Christian, uh, but ironically, that's not the thing you do in seminary. You don't go to seminary to learn to pray. You go to learn how to read Greek and Hebrew, and sometimes that's helpful. Uh, a lot of times not, but sometimes it's helpful. Uh, you learn how to uh, read theology, think about theology, and, and that's my seminary. Other seminaries would have emphasized different things, uh, but for, for us, kind of learning to pray and what prayer was, was kind of a special thing. You could choose to do that in other courses, but it wasn't main favorite. And for me, I had a very categorical and a very specific definition of prayer. Prayer is something you did at a moment, you stopped it and you started it. But this is what, when I think about prayer, I'm thinking about our actions. So actions, our dialogue, and that's conversation with each other, or internal dialogue. I mean, how many times have you been driving your car and you're having such an intense conversation with yourself that you, if you, in your brain, like especially if you're on an interstate, sometimes I'm like, I have no idea what the next mile marker is. It could be 263 or it could be 343. I mean, I literally have no idea where I am because my internal dialogue is so vivid. And a lot of times that internal dialogue is directed at God, with God, around God, about God, and, and many times that's prayer as well. So it's our actions, our dialogue, and any sense of consciousness that accentuates our awareness that we are created by and spoken to by a loving God. So prayer, in my mind, is something very wide, something very generous. 
anything that draws us into an awareness that we're in the presence of God and we exist as a worshiper, whether it's an action, a thought, a conversation, or a very specific thing that we might call a, a, a time of prayer, those are definitions of prayer for me. And if that's problematic for you, please grab me and ask me more about that because I'd love to have a, a conversation with you. But I want to kind of give you a sense of what I'm thinking about when I'm talking about prayer. And for tonight, our focus is really going to be on gathered prayer. But before we do that, I thought it might be helpful for us to talk together a little bit about our experiences with prayer so we would kind of level the playing field out there. So let me throw out a couple questions and you can respond to any of these questions. There's no rhythm or order of this. But one of the questions is, how do you pray? If you consider yourself praying, how do you pray? What does that look like for you? And then a second question is one that kind of moves in two directions. What challenges you or frustrates you to the point of wanting to pound your head on the wall about prayer or just the opposite? What exhilarates you in prayer? So just, you know, I thought it'd be nice to hear some experiences from our community on the notion of prayer before we talk about how we gather in prayer together. So how do you pray if you pray? And, and, and what are your experiences in prayer, albeit frustrating or some of the most dynamic and exciting or interesting? Or, or maybe your experiences in prayer are very mundane, and I think that would be tremendously biblical as well. So what do you think? And Josh, you're such a reader that I wouldn't be surprised that words and words of others are, are very significant to your prayers. And it's interesting, one of the prayers that Wade chose tonight, Will You, uh, which is a song that I've loved, we've done this for eight years, is, is a prayer that's a wonderful kind of pleading prayer for God's presence for me. It's one that, that I, I, the words are significant. So that's great. Other people, how do you pray? Uh, what, uh, what are your experiences? Be they mundane, frustrating, or exhilarating in prayer? And, you know, Gail, one of the things you raised there, I don't know, I'm speaking for me. My tradition, prayer was not embodied and it wasn't physical. It was, in fact, you shut the physical down. You shut, closed your eyes, you bowed your head, you got really still. So as the assumption being that your body wasn't there. 
And for a lot of people, that's like the entirely wrong way to pray for them. And I think for a lot of people, uh, prayer that's very physical is... is um, it's meaningful. I don't know. I think uh, whether it was Ashley or Laura, we were talking about even like at worship gatherings. Uh, I'm always appreciative of the times when I'm up here doing the dialogue and I see people knitting or you know moving their hands because I know a lot of people are very physical and the way that they interact is is with their bodies. And so that's why Wade says every week, if you want to stand up or move or go in a prayer space, it's invited in this community because we know that our bodies are important to us. So thank you, Gail. Uh, other people, experiences that you have in prayer or uh, thoughts. Yeah, Trigger. Um, I think for me, what's, what's interesting, I mean, there are almost like, broadly speaking, two types of prayers I think to have. One type is just just kind of throughout the day, the sentence here, the thought there, and it's just, just kind of thrown up and out, and that's just that, and things are going about, whatever else. Um, as far as like another type of prayer where it's more set apart, it's like, okay, God, let's, let's talk. This is our time. I don't, I don't do that as much as would probably be helpful and meaningful for my relationship with God. And so I, you know, I don't really should or guilt myself per se, but I, I think there's an area that's lacking. But what's funny is, is when I do have those times, I feel like I end up with some of the, some of the most egocentric <laughs> prayers. And, and it does frustrate me <coughs> I realize I just... I just pray about myself and the things that I'm interested in and what I'm hoping for and what's going on in my life. And then it's funny because even if I've set out to pray for someone else, like my grandparents or the Chases or somebody else, but somehow my mind will start to wander in that prayer and I still manage to get it back to me. (laughs) (laughs) How could I help the Chases or help my grandparents? And then start getting introspective about myself. Like, well, gosh, I remember I once went through whatever like that. And it just, it's just the craziest struggle to just, I don't know. I mean, then I tried the things like you learn in seminary, the Acts prayer, where you go through this thing like adoration, confession. And so it forces you to think through and go through different things with God. I can still turn those back to me, too, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you have any advice or any ways that you want yeah. to get out of the way of yourself and, and really go to God caring about other people. Well, it's very honest, Trigger. I, I think one of the things that, and, and it's a perfect setup uh, for a couple of things we'll mention in a moment or two about gathered prayer, but there's, I mean, I think all of us are guilty at times if we're praying people where we address God, uh, Jesus, co-savior, uh, good to chat with you. I mean, you know, there's this sense of, of this idea of, of our own self-importance that, that really prayer is almost a, conflict with that reality and maybe even being aware of it as an active prayer but that's that's wonderfully true uh, david i think you were gonna say something too weren't you whenever i have those like sit down i'm gonna hey god i'm gonna pray about something i either like pray about myself or i like i'm analyzing my prayer as i'm praying which is not going anywhere because i say oh thank you for that like, why am i thanking him for that why, why, should I, why should I be you know, thankful? Why do you do that for me? Why not somebody else? And I'm like, you know, I was in this prayer to death, and so the prayer just ends up nowhere. And so, like, I found that for me, I needed to get away, not like have prayer, but just have time, kind of like you were saying, going out somewhere. So, you know, for me, it was you know, a lot of times just going out for runs when I had, you know, not a quarter of school, I had more time, and I would just go out and run for a couple hours, or 
however, you know, weekends go out hiking, and it, that allowed me to kind of get out of my head. And then I also found that, that for me, like, when I don't know what to say, I would just always lean back on the Lord's Prayer, and I don't know, like, I think it's just a comfort from being in a tradition that said it on a regular basis. Don't know, like, if it's, if it's even good, but it was a, a way for me to, to say, hey, I don't know what I'm supposed to be praying right now, but I feel like I need to say something, and this is that something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. David, I've had conversations where you would, I think, identify yourself very much as a physical prayer prayer as well, that your your body's significant to you in terms of being in a posture of prayer and, and, and it's challenging. It's challenging to have time for that. Not a bad idea. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So I also struggle with this and one of the things that I've just been like really blessed to have lots of time to do or just like been intentional about lately is praying with other people and like sitting down with them and saying what can I pray for you about like what can we praise God for that's going on in your life what can we ask God on your behalf and even doing that like with someone else saying it out loud keeps me much more focused and it's nice because I've just gotten into the habit of, like, before I even ask God for things or thank Him for things, stopping to think about who is God? Like, what does He, like, He's love. And then praising Him for, like, different ways that we see love. It's just been really helpful for me because I get really distracted. And so to have someone else sitting down with you has been wonderful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and it is amazing how, and one of the points we'll raise tonight is how deeply social prayer can be as a as a bond between communities and no big surprise but one of the things that we've said and a lot of people have said this at Mayus way is that if if we could really work hard on something um, a sense of understanding gathered worship and a sense of what it means to be a praying community would be really significant I think for this community somebody else did was there somebody else that, yeah Ian. Um, my my personal definition of what art is for me is ever-changing and the, the most recent definition I've had for myself is Kind of an act of prayer, and I it's, didn't start off using the word prayer, it was more of a conversation with myself, and then I realized that there was someone else involved in that conversation, um, and that it was almost a conflict at times, that I was trying to make sense of what I needed to say, and then what the response was, and what idea I was having, and why I couldn't achieve this certain part of the idea, or make sense of that idea, um, and then later on, with, with the audience of the artwork, like it going up, and someone, someone reacting to it, their reaction or their interpretation to me was that response. It was a part of the conversation also. And so it was kind of an indirect, similar to what you're talking about, having someone else within the prayer with you. But they, I, I, it was a conversation with me and someone else and God, a three-way conversation. Yeah, and in an interesting, you're a good example of this, but for a lot of people, prayer is deeply uh, expressive, or vocational. So if you're a person who is a creative person or maybe a deeply activistic person, there's something about that that we understand that we're not doing alone. And I know a lot of people, I don't consider myself a a deeply creative person, but people that I know who live as creative persons, whether they're an artist uh, or another form of artist, like a musician, and a lot of you have those gifts and abilities, you're often confronted with realities that are beyond your own talent or vision when you're you're doing those things. And so, uh, and, and I think a lot of people have vocational expressions of life. That, that might be larger prayers for them, and sometimes we discount some of those things. And so that's a great example. Anybody else? One more person shot. Yes. So I told this, but um, we were riding horses on Friday, and Chestnut Ridge has this um, a prayer walk. It's got like the Stations of the Cross, and we were going through it, and um, 
they got out of it and asked them, like, man, damn, I'm glad our horses didn't poop, because that's probably really bad. <laughs> and the doing Lent, you know, because it's probably going to be used a lot. And Mandy's like, well, you know, I think it'd be good, because people got to deal with shit in prayer, you know? <laughs> so it gets to my frustration with prayer, from my own prayer life, I guess, is that most of my prayers are thankful prayers, and I think I don't, I don't deal with the shit, you know? So, like, I, you know, I don't, I don't take that to God, and I don't admit it to myself. So it's like, I, you know, I don't, I guess the frustration is there's not that kind of level of conversation yeah. between me and God. That's a really good metaphor. <laughs> when we when we did the Christmas Eve thing, this a couple of you were there, the Christmas Eve uh, gathering uh, that we're going to do again next year. It was done basically in a manger with you know hay, uh, trough and cows and there was nothing like kind of standing up and doing a fine liturgy while a cow was like pooping like right over your shoulder practically like I hope that doesn't hit me shall we all stand you know I mean I mean and so there's something about reality and and, and I would say that that might be a wonderful thing to remember that if if prayer isn't engaging reality then it might be missing something and of course for all of us there are realities boy I have a I have a whole you know, world of realities that I don't want to remember or know but might be significant to my prayer. Let me transition us to gathered prayer, which is a different thing. Um, I have a, a short little section, a, a paragraph I'm going to read you. This is a book, you know, because when you say gathered prayer, for people, sometimes this is like the most horrific thing in the world. You know, you say, hey, tonight we have a choice. We can all go get root canals or we can pray aloud together. You know, what would be your choice? And you'd have a lot of people weighing in on the root canals. Like, you know, I got to get it done sometime. You know, this might be the, the moment to do that. It's just one of these things that makes us uncomfortable. So I'm reading this really funny book. It's called um, In the Land of Believers. And it's the journey of of a young woman who's an atheist who moved to um, to Charlottesville, Virginia to finish a graduate program and, um, and she was living near Lynchburg and so she said, you know, She'd never been around conservative Christians before, and she was, you know, near Lynchburg and Liberty and Thomas Road Baptist, and so she decided, and of course it was probably a pretty good book deal as well, but she decided to join Thomas Road Baptist Church, which is Jerry Falwell's church in Lynchburg as an atheist. And uh, so this book is her story of joining that. I mean, she knows nothing, nothing about church. She knows so little about church that it never dawns on her that they would want her to t attend as an atheist. So she kind of roots around for several weeks looking for an invitation to go because she thinks she needs an invitation. And her first stop at going to one of these things is, do, do you know like what a hell house is? Does anybody know what th that is? Like a, a rapture house? Like I, I guess... Thomas Road does a big one of those, and so she thought maybe if she went to the Hell House uh, that she might get invited <laughs> to church, which didn't work out, but somehow she got by osmosis that it was okay to show up. But this is just her reflections on spoken and gathered prayer. It's kind of humorous. So she writes, Prayer seemed to be at the heart of the personal relationship with God, as in you communicate with God instead of asking clergy to do it for you. And in keeping with the notion of a specific personal relationship, each person had his or her own style of prayer. But there were commonalities. To pray, you bowed your head and closed your eyes and called on God. 
Some folks got, got him on the line with a dear heavenly father or some Lord Jesus. Some had a different, different opener altogether. Ray Fletcher always said, dear Lord, we do love you. Thank you that you love us. You would find some things for which to be thankful and awed, the weather, the meal, the company of friends, and then you'd move on to ask for life guidance on matters large and small, for protection from harm, for help coping, for the things you'd like to have or have helping, have happen, provided, of course, that it was God's will. And then you'd close a little, with a little more gratitude, and in his precious name, amen. The fact was that most Thomas Roters freestyled their prayer and embellished it with fluent personal touches that made me absolutely petrified of having to pray in front of others. Sometimes I'd sit at my desk in my home office and practice, but I couldn't conceive of anything listening on the other end. I just couldn't figure out how to arrange my face or where to turn my gaze behind my eyeballs, uh, eyelids. I got bored and distracted and quickly ran out of things to say. The several times I was asked to do it at church, my words were stubborn and unnatural. I spoke as if I were choking on a long rope. Now, I don't know if you've had that experience, but that was, it was interesting. Just someone who had never been around prayer, one of the things that she first picked up was that there was a kind of a formula. Like, we, I, this is horrible, I, I, and I'm sorry that I'm such a terrible person for doing this. But, you know, years, and my dad is a, a really common speaker. I mean, he, he, you know, we jokingly say, Dad, you only use the present tense <laughs> for, for any and all conversation. But when a prayer begins, my dad drops into some like middle English that, you know, there are words in it that I like, what does forsooth mean? Does anybody know what that means? It, it's used a lot <laughs> in prayer around my house, but there's a cadence and a rhythm and an arrangement of prayer that makes it fairly intimidating for people. So I just wanted to make a couple comments about the opportunity to gather and pray, and to pray in liturgical form, which is a, a good bit of what Josh is talking to us about, is that when we gather as a community to pray, and whether we're doing this in song, whether we're doing this in a written form, there's some things here that I think are helpful to us as a community. One is that we have the freedom to step away from performance or creativity. That's actually kind of what uh, Gina Welch is talking about in this book, the fear that she has to be creative and perform in prayer. I know for me, as kind of a church kid growing up, whenever I was, and we did it in my Baptist church, you know, there was, you know, you're sitting there and, and um, you know, I, you, you know, the pastor just said, Tim, will you lead us in prayer? You know, <laughs> and, and you started praying. And, and, and you had this sense that this ought to be kind of good. I mean, I don't want Julie to think I'm kind of, kind of a trivial Christian unless I pop out some really good words, you know, and so you, you felt this sense of performing. And so one of the things I struggled with a lot, in fact, I did a whole prayer sabbatical um, for, um, for four months, about 10 years ago, really to work on and learn to pray. And one of the first things my, my, my spiritual advisor said to me is, Tim, you keep looking for the perfect moment and the perfect time to pray. And you know what? Life rarely has perfect times and perfect moments. And so one of the things that, that gathered prayer, and particularly 
prayer that's shaped by words or songs or other liturgies has done is it's freed me up from the sense of needing to perform, the need to create. It's, this is where beautiful words, beautiful pieces of art, experiences that have been crafted for me give me an opportunity to pray in a way that alleviates that kind of American male individual thing that I have that I feel like I need to be solving something, fixing something, creating something, or doing something really well or certainly something better than Dave Eford at all times. And so that sense of my competitiveness and my individuality is often confronted by, by gathered prayer. Well, one of the other things that's nice about gathered prayer is it does give space, as we'll do tonight, to be personal, to, to speak your own words, because sometimes having words crafted for us give us the opportunity not to put so much attention into our own words so that we can be authentic. Or, as Susan would say, we could kind of talk about some of the shit in our life without having to feel like we need to put it in a bow and, and make it sound good for others. Um, there's also this sense, and several of you mentioned this, is that there's something really helpful in praying in community. Amber, you said this. There's something really beautiful in gathering with friends to pray because one of the things that, that Trigger said it very directly, but I think we all struggle with it, is it's really hard to be the center of prayer, uh, to be a, a, a savior, an icon, a leader, when you're in the midst of a community of people who might all struggle with the same thing. It's also very relieving because you don't have to say everything. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to be everything. You don't have to be the one who's up or the one who's down. Or you don't have to balance things out in the same in the way when you are part of a community. Another thing that's really nice about liturgical prayer and gathered prayer for us is it adds breadth to our prayer. I mean, all of us, I think, struggle with the temptation of saying, hey, if I truly feel like I have an audience with an omnipotent God, let's get some things done really quickly that relate significantly to my own life, so to speak. Uh, but in some ways, the, the forms of prayer that we often use give us much greater breadth. Uh, we pray for things that we often forget. We pray for realities, perhaps, that we don't want to know because often the forms of prayer that we do ask us to speak words that may not be um, kind of immediately on our hearts. Now, Dave, you said this, and one of the things that I think one of the great enemies for prayer for me growing up was repetition. Repetition was a sign of, I don't have enough to say. I, don't, I haven't thought about enough thoughts. But in reality, one of the beauties of gathered prayer is the repetitions allow us to rest in those words. I don't know how many of you guys have ever prayed either in community or alone the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. That prayer is the type of prayer that when done repetitively and at great length of time takes on more power than you can ever imagine. Uh, on our website and is, or uh, Reverb Nation, you can get uh, Wade's version of the Jesus Prayer, which is a beautiful seven and a half minute song that will help you pray that prayer repetitively. Um, and one of the things that can happen in gathered prayer is we can learn things together that we can replicate in the whole of our lives. Trigger, you said this, that one aspect of praying is the words and the phrases and the thoughts and the remembrances that just happen from time to time throughout the day. And I can tell you this, one of the things that we do every week is try to craft realities here 
that you can replicate in other places, whether it's songs, whether it's prayers, whether it's experiences, things that our life together, we hope is a prayer book that in some way inspires you to be a person who is more than just speaking to God. You are aware of the presence of a loving and a speaking God. Um, so, as, you know, as we gather as a community, one of the things that we're trying to do, and we want you to help us do this, is that, and in fact, one of the things that may be the oddest thing that we do compared to what maybe other communities do with music or the shape of our gathering together is one of the first thoughts that we have on Tuesdays as we start to pull this together is, how will this pray? Uh, will this in some way give you words and experience, a thought of prayer? Is it something that you can take outside of this gathering? But here's the other thing that happens with music in our prayer is that, like tonight, um, we did at least one song, if not one and a half, that could be called a lament. And it's kind of what Susan's talking about, is it's easy to be upbeat in our prayer, but sometimes in gathered prayer, you can be taken to a space that might not be the most comfortable space for you. But I'm a huge believer that the joy of following God is deeply connected to our tears and our ability to lament in the fact that why hasn't God fixed it all already? Why was not God present in the way that I wanted God to be present last week? Rightly or wrongly, I wanted it and needed it and, and didn't experience that. And so for us, one of the things that gathered prayer can do is ask us to do what we don't typically do. A good writer, a guy like Craig Barnes in D.C., uh, used to say that, that in his mindset, there were two types of Christians. And, and as I say this, think in your mind who fits this definition. There are summer Christians who are excited and they're fired up. And if you ask them, you know, hey, what's going on? They've got 73 things to say to you about the great things that God is doing. And then the other side are kind of wintry Christians, as he said. These are people who are quick to see the wounds, the injustices, the brokenness of our world. And they're often, when they're talking about God, speaking in words of, of pleading, begging of God. When they say, God, come quickly, they mean like, come right now and fix some stuff. It, it really wounds me with what I see or what I experience. And, and for a lot of us, we may fit, this is an overstatement, but we may fit in one of those categories or the other, and, and in some ways in gathering and in worshiping in prepared forms, we're asked to do both of those things. I'm really aware that I think both of those experiences are deeply valid. Another beautiful aspect of gathered prayer, we'll do this with stages, uh, uh, stations of the cross. We do this sometimes in Lent and in Advent when we're doing art or creating prayer space for people, is asking you to pray maybe in a way that you're not comfortable with, maybe using your body in a way that you typically don't do. You maybe don't bow, you don't sit in a corner, maybe you don't paint or create or do things like that with prayer. But all of those invitations are invitations as a part of a community of people to kind of broaden our sense of prayer. So here's your assignment with this, and this will be a really easy assignment, is as we kind of track through this season of talking about liturgy, talking about our shapes of worship, I'd love for you to be in tune with um, how do you experience God? 
How do you serve? How do you confess? How do you receive a well done? How do you receive a, you are loved from God? And I would love for us as a community to begin talking more intentionally about this with each other. One of the things I'd love for you to do if, if you're interested in doing this is maybe in home groups or pub groups or things like that is to continue the conversation because that's done probably better in an intimate setting where you might be able to say, here's what's really hard for me about prayer. Here's what I'm not even sure I believe about prayer. I didn't ask the question tonight, but it's a valid question, is do you believe in prayer? It, there are many people who find great solace in prayer, but if pushed, they might say, I'm not sure I believe in prayer, I'm not sure I understand the purpose of prayer. And those are the type of kind of pastoral conversations that we want to have with each other as a community. So as we kind of track through this series and we get to elements of worship like prayer or confession and absolution, I just invite you to create space in your life to talk with with others to hear kind of your experience with that. So for tonight, just to kind of close this off, Wade, you guys can get ready, but I wanted to lead us in what has kind of our, been our traditional kind of prayers of the people, and I think you've got that on, on a separate sheet there, and we can pray this together. Um, and one of the reasons I wanted to do it is I wanted you to hear aloud, perhaps with, with the ears that you have tonight, of what are some of the words and what are some of the movements of this prayer, which is, a, I think it's Form 6 from the Book of Common Prayer. It's a beautiful prayer, and it's one that asks us to maybe speak and remember things that we don't always remember. So if you would pray with me, there'll be a moment or two here for silence and a couple places where I will solicit your, your words as well. In peace, we pray to you, Lord God. For all people in their daily life and work. For our families, friends, and neighbors. And for those who are alone. For this community, the nation, and the world. For all who work for justice freedom, and peace, for the just and proper use of your creation, for the victims of hunger, fear, injustice, and oppression, for all who are in danger, sorrow, or any kind of trouble, for those who minister to the sick, the friendless, and the needy, for the peace and unity of the church of God, for all who proclaim the gospel and all who seek the truth for the special needs and concerns of this congregation. And let me give you a moment if you want to speak aloud a need or a concern that you're aware of, or we will pray for those silently. Hear us, Lord, for your mercy is great. We thank you, Lord, for all the blessings of this life. And again, let me give you a space of silence or the ability to speak some words of, of thoughts of thanksgiving. We will exalt you, O God, our King, 
and praise your name forever and ever. We pray for all who have died that they may have a place in your eternal kingdom. Lord, let your loving kindness be upon them. Put their trust in you. We pray to you also for the forgiveness of our, for the forgiveness of our sins. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father. In your compassion, forgive us our sins, known and unknown, things done and left undone. And so uphold us by your Spirit, that we may live and serve you in newness of life. To the honor and glory of your name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks, Tim. We're going to move into our confession and absolution, and tonight we'll do it in song, as Tim mentioned we'd often do. And um, Our song of confession is um, a song called The Long Defeat, which we've uh, also sung a number of times before. And um, My kind of experience with songwriters was uh, that they said things and they... Um, revealed things to me in their lyrics that I had felt before, but oftentimes I couldn't articulate to myself. They said things that were uh, feelings that they'd had, or they wrote down prayers, or they experienced life. And I thought, man, that yeah, that's how I felt. And I, I suddenly felt less alone in my journey. And uh, this song, The Long Defeat, is one of those songs that did that for me. And I think as we're going into uh, the Stations of the Cross, which many people uh, refer to as the Way of Suffering or the Via Dolorosa, um, Robert and my friend Robert and I were talking about this idea of God suffering, and we were talking about how there's so much suffering in the world, and you know, it's, it's easy to get bogged down by the fact that if God really cares for us, we don't have any good answers to why there's so much suffering. And then we were also talking about the fact that what's kind of even crazier about God is that he's told us that he suffers more than we do that um, he he actually feels our pain more strongly than we do and so I think in the song The Long Defeat she's praying I don't know how to do this and I, I need your help to be with me in this way this way of suffering that she calls The Long Defeat
can't fight when I think I'll win That's the end of all belief Nothing has provoked it more than a possible defeat And I pray for an idea in a way I cannot see It's too heavy to carry and impossible Patty Griffin writes a prayer where I think there's sort of a storytelling prayer in the first part and then the chorus I think really is God's words to us where he says when you break down I'll drive out and find you and if you forget my love I'll try to remind you and I'll stay by you when it don't come easy when it don't come easy Wonder if we're ever 
don't come easy But it don't come easy it Don't come easy So on my really small list, I think everybody has this list of like the five books that every human being should read. And most of you who know me well know that one of those five books for me is a, is a wonderful book by Henry Nouwen called Reaching Out. And one of the things he talks about in prayer is that in spiritual life is this movement between what he calls illusion and prayer. And his definition of prayer at that point is living in reality. It's really close to what Susan was talking to us about, is seeing the world the way it really is. It's one of the products of prayer, and it's one of the things that gives us a, a dynamic sense of being able to live in God's grace. So uh, it's kind of a setup for communion tonight, but also just for conversation later. Uh, notice that I gave you a copy of Nehemiah 1, which is on the flip side of the uh, prayers of the people. And that to me is one of the most beautiful prayers of the whole Bible. The whole chapter almost is a prayer. And if you would, look up the context for that and read that prayer. But one of the things that you'll notice about this is it moves from something very private to something very public. And for this man, it meant moving his lament for the state of Israel in exile to one simple act of bravery to be sad in front of the king, which was forgiven, uh, for, forbidden, so to speak. And so uh, one of the things that I realized for us as part of our worship experiences is that we ask each other to express our wounds, we ask each other to express our hopes, we ask each other to express our dreams, but there's always at least one action that we take risk to do. And that for us is the table every week. We gather and we break bread, we pour wine or juice for each other, and in that simple act, we are saying, uh, kind of like the Sarah Grove song is, I can't let go. I am going to continue to live and think and exist in God's grace and in God's mercy and in God's expectation that this world, this community, this place is being redeemed and it's heading for a destination. We're not in a story that circles, but we're in a story that runs to a glorious conclusion. We do that every week as we break the bread and pour the juice for each other and we do it in community. So tonight as we go to the table and as is our tradition, most of you know that, we break bread for each other and say, the, the body of Christ broken for you and we pour the juice of the wine and say the blood of Christ shed for you uh, and, and please remember that our table is an open table which means that everybody's invited we, we would like all of you to feel the freedom to come and share at the table uh, but as we do that tonight wait I thought we would do the benediction before going to the table because one of the things that in our journey of worship every week one of the things that we want you to always remember is even if you've come into this space and exposed your greatest fear or the thing that makes you maddest is this invitation that we live under an umbrella of God's tremendous love. And this for me is really one of our, our uh, it's an Easter song. It's one that we've often done in the Easter season, but it's a, a song that it asks us to remember that we live in this cascading reality of God's love. So uh, let's sing together and then join each other at the table.
deep love, the love of Jesus, vast and measured, boundless and free, rolling like a mighty ocean in its fullness over me. Underneath me, all around me, is the current of thy love. Leading onward, leading homeward, to thy glorious rest above. So if this is the first time you've heard this version, let's uh, try that again. From the top, all oh, the deep love. The deep, deep love, the love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free, rolling like a mighty ocean in its fullness only. From shore to shore How He loves us Loves us ever Changes never, never more How He watches For His loved ones Died to call us all His own How for me He intercedes or me from the throne Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus The love of every love the best It is an ocean vast the blessing is a haven sweet of rest. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus is the heaven of heavens to me.
welcome to the table.